the cause. I mean, what an awesome clip that reminds us of the cause uh, that so many were willing to sacrifice their life for so that we could have uh, the celebration of freedom that we have over these uh, days here, this Fourth of July experience that comes every year for us. Um, as we're together today, what I want to do is uh, talk with you about, um, about the cause, but especially about the cause for you and I as Christ followers and the relationship of our cause uh, to the experience of our citizenship, of what does it mean to be a person who has faith, the cause of Christ, and the freedom that we enjoy here because we live uh, in this place. Uh, so I'm going to start with kind of a, a radical statement uh, for you to uh, think about. And <laughs> as we go through this this morning, because I'm up here on the screen, obviously uh, you'll need to grab those message notes uh, out of the handout and follow along uh, with the message notes. And that's going to be especially important today uh, because we'll be using not only some scripture references, but some quotes from the Founding Fathers, and just some really important words for us to pay attention to. So uh, if you can make sure you just grab those message notes out now, and if you've got a pencil or a pen, you know, it would be great to grab those, that you can circle some words and maybe make some notes. Um, and you probably want to, <laughs> excuse me, write down uh, kind of this, this radical statement uh, that I want to make here at the beginning, especially given that we're celebrating the freedom that we enjoy of the 4th of July. And uh, here's what it is. For the Christ follower, the cause that we serve is not our country. The cause is the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now that sounds pretty radical, I think, you know, especially on 4th of July weekend. And yet, you know, that, that is the truth. That, that for us, we have a freedom that is a freedom in Christ that is more important than anything in the world. And it's more important than any land or geography in the world. Now, here's the next step. Before you get all bent out of shape on that one, that the next step for us is if we really believe that, we understand that, and we're going to see that in Scripture, if we believe and understand that, then we're going to equally understand that is the best thing that we can do for the sake of our nation. That, that the, the best thing we can do as a Christ follower is to serve the cause of Christ. And as we serve the cause of Christ, it will lend blessing to our nation. Let, let me show you that. If you go to your sheet here, your handout, and look at uh, Psalm 33, okay? Psalm 33 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed are the people He chose to be His own. Now, look at that verse again. Look real close. Look at the relationship. Now, he's talking there in the end about how blessed are the people that he chooses. So his people, Christ followers like us, when we're sold out on Christ, we know that blessing comes our way. We know that God's hand is in our life, that he's opening up our future, that he's got a, a dream for us, he's got a cause for us, a purpose for us. We know his abundance is ready to be poured on us. Now, notice in the verse, he says, that's what happens to those who choose him. But it also happens to some, something else. <coughs> Excuse me. It also happens to something else. And that is the nation. That, that there's a direct relationship between choosing 
to exercise that freedom that we have in Christ and the blessing that comes upon a nation. Now, what's really neat is the founding fathers understood this principle. The, the founding fathers of our nation understood this principle as they, they crafted this incredible uh, country, as they crafted the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, they crafted all of that that goes to understanding how we operate as a country. It's grounded and founded in this principle of understanding that, that the cause of Christ, serving the cause of Christ, is what gives us the blessing that comes into our nation. Let's look at the next verse, Isaiah 33. Isaiah 33. Now I want you to look at this verse and uh, see if you can see inside this verse, through the eyes of the founding fathers here, how it formed and shaped the structure of our nation. You ready? Let's look at it. It says, For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He will care for us and save us. All right, so go to the first part of the verse there. For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king. He's identifying three aspects, <coughs> excuse me, of the way the Lord uh, relates to us, right? He's, he's identifying three aspects. Do you realize those three aspects are the same three understandings and branches of our government? This is the verse. It's kind of the founding guidance for the way the structure of our government is laid out, right? For he is our judge, judicial branch. For he is our lawgiver, legislative branch. For he is our king, executive branch. The, the, the founding fathers apparently understood this principle of how important it is for us to serve the cause of Christ, that they would even use Scripture as a foundation to construct the nature of how our government operates. How cool is that? Do you know that? That is so fascinating, isn't it? You bet. And so it's always been grounded on this principle of understanding that, listen, the cause of Christ is always higher. The cause of Christ is always first. It is our freedom that we exercise. But when we exercise that freedom, it is the best thing that can happen to our land. It's the best thing that can happen to our nation. Um, it, it, and we can see that right away in some of the writings of the, uh, of the founding fathers. If you look at, uh, in 1620, at the Mayflower Compact, when the pilgrims first came over to, to our country, uh, it says, Having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, did these people understand why they were coming to this country? Did, did they understand what was the most important cause for them to serve as they came to the new world? Absolutely. They came here for the glory of God and for the advancement of the Christian faith. That's why they came, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. That's the foundation, that, that understanding of that principle that for us to exercise our freedom as a follower of Christ is the best and most important thing we can do for the sake of our nation. And, and that carried on through the history of, of great leaders in our nation. So you can turn to uh, Abraham Lincoln, certainly one that we'd identify as a great leader. <laughs> you can turn to him. And in his 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation, uh, he wrote these words. 
The year that is drawing toward a close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and health-filled skies to these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed, and here's the key words, that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. That we are prone to forget the source from which they come. You see, that's the risk. The founding fathers understood this principle, but the risk is that we who are Christ followers forget that, that not just the rest of the world forgets that, you know, the 4th of July is about something more than just, you know, shooting off fireworks and having backyard barbecues, but that we, the people of Christ, that we forget the most important thing is the cause of Christ, to understand God's blessing, to be in that position of thankfulness for what God has done for us, and therefore be in that position of thankfulness for what he has done, that the cause for us, the cause for us is always the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom. Now, some of you may be sitting there this morning and you say, oh, wow, okay, so, but wait, pastor, what about, what about <laughs> this whole separation of church and state thing? You know, I mean, we hear this all the time. Uh, it's something that's thrown around in the news all the time. It's out in Washington, D.C. all the time. I mean, we, we hear about the advocates on one side, the other side, all this stuff. What about the separation of uh, church and state? Well, let's take a quick look. Okay, you're not going to labor, belabor this, but take a quick look. First, remember that that phrase was never coined. It was never written in the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. So it's not in our founding documents. The place that that statement, separation, a wall of separation, the place that it first appears is in a writing of Thomas Jefferson when he writes to the Danbury Church. And I've got it here in your notes. So look at the notes from 1802, from his letter to Danbury Church on January 1st. So they write Jefferson and they want clarification because they're concerned about the government influencing the church. He writes back and he says, Believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions, I contemplate with sovereign reverence the act of the whole American people which declared that their legislator should make no law respecting the establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, and here comes the statement, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. There it is. That's where it appears. In a personal letter that Jefferson writes to Danbury Church, and the emphasis of the letter is to say, hey guys, you don't have to worry, because we wrote into the founding documents that the government cannot exercise any control over the church. The government cannot exercise any means by which it restricts the freedom we have in celebrating and serving the cause of Christ. See, that's the key. Jefferson understood that the government can't restrict, it can't uh, allow for an opportunity for us to lessen our service to the cause of Christ. And, and it needed that. Jefferson understood that because... That's how the nation receives blessing, is when we get serious about serving the cause of Christ. And so the, the whole separation of church and state is in this letter as a means by which Jefferson defines and says, listen, the cause of Christ cannot be inhibited. The cause of Christ cannot be inhibited. And he knows that is the best thing 
for our nation. You can see it. I can say, well, he knows that. Listen again uh, to what he wrote uh, in his notes to the state of Virginia, on the state of Virginia in 1781. Uh, He said, And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God, that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever, that considering numbers, nature, and natural means only, a revolution of the wheel of fortune, an exchange of situation is among possible events, that it may become probable by supernatural interference. See, he gets it. He gets it. That, that there is this relationship between God's people, Christ followers, exercising their freedom for the cause of Christ first and foremost, and that's the key to the prosperity and the blessing that falls on our nation. It's about focusing in on what is our cause. How do we do that? What is our cause? There was a great moment at uh, one of the Republican uh, debates back in uh, 1999 with uh, George Bush and uh, Alan Keyes and Steve Forbes. They're in a debate. And uh, during the debate, the moderator asked the candidates if if, um, they would identify... Um, the, the greatest person who is the greatest political thinker or the greatest thinker uh, in, in their lives. And uh, Steve Forbes a- answered uh, John Locke. Alan Keyes uh, said, well, the founding fathers. But uh, George W. Bush responded, uh, Christ, because he changed my heart. See, that, that's the cause. See, the best thing that we can do for our nation is to become a people who get so serious about the cause of Christ that we just want to change human hearts. And we just want to reach human hearts. Uh, Ronald Reagan once said, If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we'll be a nation gone under. Awesome statement. Okay, so if you're with me on this and you're following and, and you, you've kind of heard all this this morning so far, and saying, well, okay, so we're supposed to serve the cause of God, that our greatest freedom is exercised when we serve the cause of Christ, and that's what brings blessing uh, into our nation. Then we've got to ask and understand, well, if, that, if that's true, if we understand that from Scripture and the writing of the Founding Fathers, then we've got to understand we are the hope of our nation. We're the hope of our nation. If you go into Second Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles says, if my own people, okay, God's people, Christ followers, if my own people will humbly pray and turn back to me and stop sinning, then I will answer them from heaven. I will forgive them and do what? Make their land fertile once again. What's he going to do? Well, he's going to bless the nation. He's going to bless the nation. See, that we are the hope for our nation. And he gives us the, the, the path for us to walk, what we need to do and how we need to exercise that freedom in Christ in order to bring that blessing uh, to our nation. In, in Second Chronicles, he gives us that path. He says, first, listen, you, you need to humble Pray, turn back, and stop sinning. Humble, pray, turn back, and stop sinning. That's the list, okay? And, and that's all through the Scripture, right? That God wants His people to walk humbly, right? Matthew 23, if you put yourself above others, you will be put down. But if you humble, you humble yourself, you will be honored. And so the first step for us in exercising our freedom in Christ is ironically a step of humility. 
that, that we exercise our freedom by understanding this principle and we just humble ourselves before God and say, God, it, it's all about you. It is all about you. We understand the principle. We know that our lives will not prosper and flourish unless we live in this, in this humble, dependent relationship with Christ. Unless we let him be our strength and our guide. And, and the same is through, true for our nation. We just need to be a humble people who understand and accept this principle. James 4 says, be humble in the Lord's presence and he will honor you. That's our starting point. We just don't be arrogant. We just be a humble people that exercises freedom and say, God, it's all up to you. It's all up to you. Everything comes from you. You're a good God and everything comes from your hand. Second step, we pray. That, that we just get serious about, about praying, about just being in that constant conversation with God in our own lives and equally for our nation. Uh, Proverbs 15, Book of Wisdom says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, hateful and exceedingly offensive to the Lord. But the prayer of an upright is his delight. He delights in this conversation with us. He delights in us just walking humbly with him and just being in this conversation with him, being able to bring all of our concerns and being able to look for his guidance and discernment in life. He wants us to be in this conversation with him. And as we're doing that, he, he wants to just show us the mysteries. If you look at Ephesians 6, it says, Pray that I'll be given the message to speak, that I may fearlessly explain the mysteries about the good news. That's Paul asking people to pray for him. And, and so today, I'm going to ask you, we need, you need to pray. Exercise the freedom you have in Christ. Exercise that freedom and pray, but also pray for our nation. If we're going to get out of all the stuff that's going on in our nation, it's because we, the people of God, get serious about exercising that freedom and we just pray. We just, we just pray for our nation. It, it's in Second Timothy, New Testament, Second Timothy. It says, first of all, I ask you to pray for everyone. Ask God to help and bless them all and tell God how thankful you are for each of them. Now notice the second verse. Pray for kings and others in power so that they may live quiet and peaceful lives as we worship and honor God. This kind of prayer is good and it pleases God our Savior. Do you get that? So, so we're supposed to pray for our nation, our leaders. We're supposed to pray for those who are in positions of exercising discernment and giving direction to our nation. We're supposed to pray for them that they may do that in quiet and peaceful ways, that they, they do that with a sense of you know, doing what God wants them to do. And it gives us the freedom to worship and honor God. That's the cause. You see the causes in there? That's the cause. So for us, it is we just get humble with God and we start praying. We just keep in that constant conversation and we extend that prayer to our nation. And the next step, that Chronicle says, turn to Him, that we turn to Him. That is, that we put God first. That, that we just seek God in everything. We need to seek God as we're choosing these leaders. We need to seek God as we're, as we're responding to decisions they're making in Washington, D.C. We need to seek God and get God involved in this whole process of our, of our land. He says in Jeremiah 17, I, the Lord, have put a curse on those who turn from me and trust in human strength. They will dry up like a bush in, in salty desert soil with, where nothing can grow. But I will bless those who trust me. 
They will be like trees growing beside a stream, trees with roots that reach down to the water and with leaves that are always green. They bear fruit every year and never worry about the lack of rain. You see, God will provide for us and our nation if we get serious about just seeking Him in every step. Just seeking Him in every step. And then the next uh, step for us in Chronicles is it says, listen, you need to just stop sinning. Stop sinning. That, that the key for our nation is for us to live a life that is an incredible witness to other people. That, that we exercise our freedom in Christ. We get our lives in that place that God wants us to be. And, and we just have the kind of lives that people notice. That, that we have those kind of lives that, that people look at and say, I want that life. I, I want to live that way. And, and the more we can bring people to Christ in that way, make that witness with our lives, the better our nation is going to become. And then the last step is changing the hearts of others. That we just need to get serious about reaching people for the cause. The cause of Christ. The, the cause of real freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from their past. Freedom from all the bondage. Freedom from all the temptation. Freedom to live that incredible life that God wants us to live in Christ. Second Timothy says, God wants everyone to be saved and to know the whole truth, which is there is only one God, and Christ Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. Jesus was truly human. He gave himself to rescue all of us. God showed us this at the right time. This is our freedom. This is our cause. If we can just reach human hearts for the cause of Christ, our nation will change. It will change. Because more and more people will know the important freedom. Not just the freedom of a nation, but the freedom that comes with Christ. As we end, you know, you hear a lot of times the politicians will end their speech and they'll say, you know, God bless you and God bless America. And, you know, I always want to shout back at the TV and, and say, hey, he has, okay? He has. That God incredibly has blessed America. The question for us now is, are we ready to bless America? I mean, the Christian nation, are we ready to bless? The Christian kingdom of God, people, Christ followers, are you ready to bless? Are you ready to bless? If we're ready to bless, it means we will get sold out on the cause of Christ. Because that is the best way we can keep freedom coming to our nation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this word. And uh, we do celebrate the freedom that we have uh, as a people who live in this nation and uh, we pray over our leaders and those who give guidance and make decisions in Washington and around the country and states and government houses. And we just pray that you would uh, help them to, to seek you and to understand this principle. And so for us too, Father, we pray you'd make this real in our lives, that you'd help us to just be sold out on the cause of Christ, that we can keep that first in our life, knowing that that's the best thing we can do to ensure the freedom of this nation. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Have a great weekend, guys.